You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Welcome to episode 110. We made it 110 episodes to episode 110 of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the international power rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo. Hello. Yeah, and we are joined... This afternoon by uh, some old buddies in a new band doing some very exciting stuff. Long distance via Skype from Seattle, Washington. You guys are in Seattle, right? That is correct. Yep. Uh, okay. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if if y'all packed up and moved somewhere, or or if you convinced Mikey, if you convinced everybody to move to Alaska, or if Jason well, convinced everybody. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I wasn't sure where you guys were at yet, but please welcome to the show my good friends, Sean, Jason, and Mikey from the Rock and Roll Combo Plagiarizer. How are you guys doing? Hi, dudes. Hey, man. Fantastic. How's it going? How are you? Gordo, how you doing? Doing all right. Oh, doing by the okay. way, guys, guys, this is Gordo. Gordo, Hello. this is guys. Gordo. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, man. Nice to meet you. So right on. Jason, you got here just in time. We just went live, man. That's wonderful. Dude, it's so good to see your face. I haven't talked to you in... It's been a long time. It's been... I want to say it's been... God, it's been close to 10 years since I talked to you last. It's probably been seven years since we talked to each other last. It was when I was in Iowa. Yeah, it was when you were in Iowa, man. So so actually, if, if you guys don't mind, I want to I wanna catch up with, with what Jason's been doing here for a second. What... um. What brought you back to Seattle? Like, what made you to decide to head back and, and start jamming with these guys again? Because you, you were like very serious about the new band last last I talked to you. So tell me, kind of what what went down with uh, with the other project you were working on? Yeah, no problem. Uh, well, I, I got successful really fast and had a couple of issues with things, and I crashed and burned really fast. So I uh, stayed there and got healthy. I didn't know if I was going to be playing again after that record. And um, I don't know why I moved back to Seattle, but I know why now was to be with right. these guys. That's obvious. That was the reason. Sometimes <laughs> I got, fate pulls you, man. I, I kind of retired, man. I, I didn't know if I was going to play again. And um, I ran into these guys, and it just magically happened. It was like, hey, we need a drummer. And I'm like, well, I want to play hard rock drums, so let's do this. you know. And we had just done an All Bets on Death reunion show right before that. So that kind of got me going like, oh, yeah. I have to do this. So, yeah. So that's something that we should we should mention to folks. People who are Ruckus fans know who All Bets on Death are because we are sure to give you guys a nod every time we play it live, and it's listed in the credits of the album. But you guys wrote "All My Heroes Are in Hell." Like you guys are the original band that did "All My Heroes Are in Hell," and we borrowed it from you. 
since uh, since since you guys were kind of going in in different directions for a while, and you guys actually got together and played kind of an impromptu reunion show, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was real fun. Tell me, tell me what brought that about the the all bets on death reunion. Well, you know, it wasn't really the best circumstances. A friend of ours passed away, and. Uh, we were one of his favorite bands, and so at his service, uh, kind of his service, I guess, it was a memorial, you know, it was a party. Celebration of life type of thing, yeah. So, you know, we played, and uh, the guys that used to be the Spit and Cobras that are now Detonator played with us, and, you know, like, we were a couple of his favorite local bands, so we just sent him off with the party, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's this it's this unfortunate but beautiful thing that sometimes it takes either someone getting married or someone dying in order to to get a band back together to jam one more time. And um and it's like, you know, this horribly tragic thing, but yet you see it so often lead to, hey man, that was a lot of fun. We should get this back together, or we should work on a new project, or something like that. Like I've I've seen that happen multiple times, where that kind of becomes the inciting event. Would you say that that's what kind of inspired you to get Plagiarizer up and going? Or yeah, you know, Plagiarizer. I was already kind of working on it. Actually, me and Sean were already kind of playing a little bit. We had a different drummer who was kind of flaky, whatever. You know, he's cool, but. He just didn't work out. Right. And uh, so we were kind of looking, and then that All Bets on Death show came up, and Jason was like, uh, he was at the, he was there playing his drums. I was like, man, you're a good drummer. You know? I didn't, I didn't even know you were a drummer, dude. I thought you were a bass player, but uh, you should play drums for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. We did it, and it just, it was easy, man. It just fell right into place. Right. Right, right, right. Well, and then before. <laughs> Uh, before Plagiarizer, you guys did have uh, Motogeist going uh, with Zach from All Bets on Death. And, and Vaughn played with you too, correct? Or did... Oh, was, no, Sean, I, were you playing on that? No, I wasn't. No. I, I'm uh, trying to remember. There were three people in Motogeist that were at some point in All Bets on Death. So there's Justin, who was uh, twice, he was the bass player. You know, he was a bass player at the beginning and a bass player in the end. Right. And then uh, Zach obviously was playing lead guitar, and uh, and me. So it was almost the same as All Bets on Death, just a different drummer. Yeah, and yeah. so I wasn't familiar with with your band, but I definitely know that song. All my heroes are in hell. Just like MF Ruckus blows that up like almost every time. Like it's it's an amazing song. So yeah, congrats on that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I take credit for that one. It just came to me in a dream. I woke up and I called Zach. I was like, "Hey, I dreamed of this song. We got to write it today. We recorded it that day. Like it just that's like, awesome. That's, <laughs> what's what's that's funniest? Great fucking song, man. It is a great song, and the Blind Staggers it. do it too. Yeah, yeah, they play and the hell out of that song. Yeah, they do a great job on it, uh, especially with Laura singing on it. It's just amazing. But uh, one really fun moment that we had on our last Northwest tour was we had that song had traveled from Seattle to Denver to Chicago and then Blind Staggers and Ruckus did a tour together and we got together with the Motogeist guys, played at Tony V's in uh, Everett and all three of us, all three 
bands got up on stage and did All My Heroes Are in Hell together, and it was just, it was a beautiful moment. It was a lot of fun to be a part of. It was really fun. I actually, t- I actually talked to Tony V today on accident because <laughs> Siri doesn't know the difference between Tony Lee and Tony V. And I asked, and I was like, I was like, Siri, call Tony Lee. And Siri goes, calling Tony the fifth. And I'm like, who the fuck is Tony the fifth? And then fucking Tony V picks up and he's like, what's up, man? What's going on? Da, 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 da. Caught up. I guess, uh, I guess they're actually having shows at Tony V's again. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's only allowed to have, he's only allowed to sell 80 tickets. But then we started talking about it, and I'm like, man, we'd be lucky if we sold 80 <laughs> tickets to a show. So yeah. it's like, you can you can now, it's like easier than ever to sell out. You yeah. know what I mean? Our guys, come up. We'll play yeah. with you at Tony V's, man. Sounds, sounds like a fucking yep. date, dude. Dude, we'll sell, we've got to go on tour during COVID so that we can sell out all of our shows, man. Every dude, fucking show every is show. sold out, 20 man. people, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Randy Tweed is playing next weekend at the Oriental, but there can only be 50 people in there. So we're like, yeah! (laughs) We sold out the Oriental! Sold out that crowd! Yes! Dude, that would would be so great to make a t-shirt that just, like, has, like, all your tour dates and all of them are sold out. And then, like, in a little asterisk at the bottom, be like, maximum allowable capacity during COVID, 50 people, you know? It's like, it's like uh, we, you know, I've been noticing that bigger bands are playing smaller venues over the last few years because the because the music market has gotten so saturated and it's it's harder and harder to harder and harder to fill rooms, you know, and uh, and so you you started seeing these bigger bands playing like fucking dive bars, and now it's like. And and so it's made it so that like if you put on a show, you're playing this little tiny bar, and and fifty people, eighty people, a hundred people, makes it look totally packed. And now it's like fate has once again intervened and just made it so like any band can can be a a, a sold out headlining act. It's a beautiful thing. Man. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I, I accidentally had a conversation with Tony V today and uh and it was just very timely because I knew I was gonna be talking to you guys today. So it's fucking great, man. Um Mikey. Yeah. Tell me tell me a little bit about Alaska. Because the, the, the last time I saw you in person, and this is something that's really cool and, and, and I wanted to kind of touch base with you about is something that I, that I really loved and I, I really just thought was such a cool thing is the last time I saw you in person was at Tony V's in Everett and you said that, yeah, you know, this looks like it's going to be the last show for a while and... And I just kind of need to get out of here, and and I'm gonna go bum around Alaska for a little while. And you just had this plan to just go take off on your like total like drifter story, you know? Just I'm just gonna hop on my bike and head for Alaska, and <laughs> and go go uh, go tool around up there. And we mention often on this podcast a friend of mine. Shout out to Tyler Gwynn from 10th Mountain Division. Uh, my buddy Tyler Gwynn coined this term Alaska thoughts, which are like the thoughts you get when it's just not working out with the band or it's not working out in whatever your artistic pursuit may be. And so 
you just like want to like leave everything behind and go run away to Alaska, you know? So like you actually lived Literally out. Literally did it. Yeah, you actually did. Well, we, we're going to talk about that. Okay. All right. Tell me. Tell me about it. Tell me what kind of precipitated the the decision. Tell me a bit about your experience, and uh, tell me a little bit about the writing process because you were sending me demos on a regular basis. Like you were just recording demos on Spire of like like cool ass like dirty country folk awesome like road songs. And, uh, and you sent a bunch of them to me. I think I probably got like five or six songs that you sent me during that time you were in Alaska. So <laughs> let's, let's start with what, what led you to move there. Let's start okay. with the decision. Well, here's the thing, man. To, uh, to be clear, I never made it to Alaska. You never made it to Alaska? So I ran out of money. <laughs> I ran out of money. And I'd already oh, said goodbye to everyone. So I just drove <laughs> off. I just fucking drove out of Seattle. And I was like homeless down in Portland for a while, just fucking, just dirt bagging it, peeing in Gatorade bottles. Old ladies taking pictures of me and shit. Get out of my neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it might might not have been like the glorious trip that you imagine, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. That, hey, that's still pretty glorious. That's fucking hilarious. I thought you were in Alaska the whole time. No, dude, I just fucking, I ran out of money, you know. I was like, oh, you know what, I'm out of here. I fucking You could have just milked that narrative. You could have just said, yeah, that's where I was, you know, and like, this is, you know, this is the moose I killed while I was up there. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, you could have told me anything and I would have believed it, too. You could have just been... <laughs> All those songs were just recorded in my band. I was living in a fucking shitty band, you know, like, just playing music, doing my thing. You know what? It was great. I had a good time. That's the dream, though. Like, and like, anytime I start to entertain the Alaska thoughts, it's always like, I'll get a van or a camper, and I'll go out on the road, and I'll like pull over in rest stops, and and I'll write every morning, and I'll rehearse every afternoon, and I'll play gigs every night in whatever small town I'm in, and and just drift from town to town, just making music and meeting people and living the life of an outlaw troubadour, you know? <laughs> hey, man, I'm playing in the men's room at 6 o'clock. Come on in. <laughs> Come on in. Oh, we're all going to be playing in the men's room at 6 o'clock. Wink, wink. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, so, okay, so you only made it as far as Portland. That's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Opposite direction. <laughs> Opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, and I was going to, I had this whole joke because I saw your hair, and it's like, it's like your hair looks like you, um, you know when Gandalf the Gray becomes Gandalf the White? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was kind of like what immediately popped into my head. I was like, "Oh, he went through, he went through a symbolic death while he was up in Alaska, and and came back. You know, he died, Mikey High Life, and came back, Mikey the White, or something like that." Right. Yeah, it looks good. It looks well, good. yeah, that's highlights. <laughs> yeah. Highlights. Did Did you highlight your hair, or are you just getting old? No. It's uh, it's actually just gray, man. You know, fucking. Did you My see a monster in Portland or something? Did something like? <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I, you know, for ten years I was working in a refrigerator overnight, right? right. So like, I'm exposed to the sun, and as soon as I like got out of there, I think the sun is just like boom. 
You're old it, now. It, it's weird though because your 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 hair is gray and looks older, but your face looks young. You look young and happy and vibrant and fresh, man. You yeah. look good. That's over the deal with the devil, man. You know, like that's right, right. that's the real Satan shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk a little bit about how you went about writing while you were out on the road. Were you writing every day? Like, did you have a regular practice, or was it just kind of when when things occurred to you, when you got inspired? How how did the writing process go? Are we talking about the country songs? Yeah, all the stuff you did while you were traveling. Oh yeah, you know it just. Uh I just didn't have anything else to do, man. I was playing for like hours and hours every day, you know, because it's fun. Right. So uh, the songs just came out of that, but a lot of them are, uh, you know, it's kind of a, to be honest, like a lot of that was like a dark time in my life. So the songs are pretty dark, you know, but. Right. Uh, that's what music's for, man. Right. Getting you the poison out. out. You feel better. Suck the poison. Did you say suck the poison yeah. out? You got to get the poison out, man. <laughs> You gotta get the poison out. It's like uh, it's like you gotta jack the top load, like you were saying. Yeah, you gotta pre-jack the top. Pre-jack load. the top load. <laughs> but but so the thing the thing is is like even though you're writing music from a dark time in your life, the songs were very catchy and they're very good stuff. And I'd I'd love to share them on the show with your permission sometime. But. Uh, but do you have any plans to do anything with that stuff, or did any of it turn into plagiarizer songs, or, or what? What's the plan with the stuff that you came out while you were out there? Uh, you know, me and my friend Mark have been working on that stuff. So That's we've been, right. We've been working on it together, and uh, we kind of took a break uh, when I started plagiarizer. So we haven't. I've just been doing this since uh, I think we started plagiarizer in March. Yeah. Right. So. You guys that. started. You guys started the band right before all the lockdowns and shit. Yeah. 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 Oh man. So okay, then that brings me to my next question, which is: uh, everybody from the world of music and art that we've had on here, we've been trying to ask them about how they've stayed engaged and busy and creative and kept the band alive uh, during the lockdown, like during quarantine. How how has that process been for you guys over the last year? It well, was awesome. Yeah, it was great for us. Awesome. Man. Every, day. Every day. You know, we got a, you know, here, I don't know what it was like there, but here we got a, a thing that said that uh, it was totally within our rights to practice if we were, if we had our own practice space and there were less than 10 people there, right? Really? So we're just like, we're practicing all day, every day. And, you know, we, we basically started with nothing at the beginning of this and we have a record that we've record, like finished and recorded now. Do you so. guys are you guys all living in the same place or you just have a rehearsal space in in one of y'all's houses? We have a re rehearsal space that we rent actually in like Oh okay. And you're just you're just able to go there whenever you want. Yep. That's yep. really cool. Yeah, a lot of the places out here uh I mean Tony lives in Chicago so we can't rehearse anyway, but um the Rehearsal space that we used to go to, they've been shut down up until, what, Gordo, just a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they had to board up their windows. Like, we had we had businesses all over the city of Denver that just had their windows boarded up, and, and among them was, was Rocket Space, which was, like, the hourly rehearsal spot. So that's really cool that you guys were within your rights to go 
to go actually keep it going because nobody has any other option for anything to do except for go to fucking band practice. It's like a band leader's fucking dream come true, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know what? They, uh, the information that I got was that it was considered an, an essential activity for people's mental health. So, is that I need- the state of Washington that came up with that, or is that? Uh, but there were some there were some rules around it. Like you had to actually you couldn't rent like an hourly room or a shared space. You had to have your own space. You know there were some rules around it, and a lot of people were still not doing it. But but uh, you know that place was pretty empty most of the time. But we we're just like you know what we're we're gonna practice every day. And that's, uh, really, that's really fucking cool, man. That's awesome. Practice every day, Gordo. Can you imagine that? Like being I able can't. to pra- actually, we just started practicing again like last week, and Terry cleaned up the garage. I, I I didn't even know where I was when I walked in there. I was like, "This place looks too clean. What's going yeah. on, man?" He's like, "Well, I had a lot of time on my hands. What am I gonna do?" I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess that makes a lot of sense." See, we basically so, yeah. had out here nobody practicing. Like, right out here, everybody's just been working on other shit. Like, you know, me and Gordo have the podcast. Gordo's got his label and and his solo record, and I've been trying to teach myself to play guitar and 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 things like that. Good but, job at it too. Oh, thanks, man, dude. I've been I've been doubling down on it, dude. Oh, and Gordo, I meant to tell you, I found a guy on YouTube who has a channel called Learn to Ween, and he just <laughs> teaches only teaches Ween songs. And That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is perfect. And so I found him and I I backed him on Patreon that day and I give him a dollar a month and he's like he's like dude thank you so much I can get guitar strings now what do you want to learn shout out <laughs> shout out to my dude Mr uh, Professor Synthetic Socks Skyscraper whatever thanks uh <laughs> thanks for hooking me up with but all the what's cool his name well, he, was, what? he was calling himself Synthetic Socks, which is an old, like before Gene Ween was Gene Ween, he had his own project called Synthetic Socks. Synthetic and then, Socks, right. But he's he's started changing it up on regular a- episodes, and last I heard it was like Professor Skyscraper or something like that. He's, I mean, he does a Ween channel, he's a fucking weird dude, and he's probably on mushrooms while he's recording the <laughs> videos, but... I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm just I'm just like pouring through those videos and like like I'm on amazing slowdowner every day like trying to learn everything that I can. So like nobody's playing shows, nobody's having band practice. So out here in our scene at least, it's mostly people honing their skills in video production or their social media content creation or songwriting or you know, learning to home record. Like, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of people um, learning how to operate uh, software like OBS, like the software that we use to um, to broadcast our podcast and shit like that. Uh, broadcast your podcast. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's really cool that you guys were able to practice the entire fucking time. That's really, really great. Um... Jason, I wanted to go back to talk about Des Moines, and you said you got way successful way fast. Can you tell me a little bit about like what that way successful story looked like? Like what 
What went on for you and the band down there? Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you remember, but I was talking to you in the pre-production process about you coming to sing. Yeah, you were talking to me about that. I remember that. The producer was like, I want to hear you sing, and they, they basically kind of forced me in to do it. So I remember yeah. that. I did the whole record by myself. I learned how to sing. I took some guitar lessons for solos because I didn't know how to do solos, blah, blah, blah. I, I had marketing people helping me. I had a really successful merch line. Like I just I got on all the nationals in the Midwest, um, opened up for major national bands. And like so, what, are, what are some of the highlights? Give me some of the highlights. Um, like, do you want me to name drop or? Yes, please name drop. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, he's going to fucking punch me when I start saying that. Yeah, yeah. Why? Come on. Okay, if it gets, if it gets that bad, we'll... S- Mikey, socially distance yourself. I want to hear the name drops. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they were just, they were, I was playing, you know, theaters and, like, the arenas there and stuff with, like, Puddle of Mud and Saliva and bands like that, Major Cedar and all that shit. And, uh, I mean, because I was a Southern Rock heavy metal band, so I also got on a lot of weird hillbilly uh, hip-hop shows. Cool. Big Smo, I don't know if you know who that guy is. He oh, yeah. And uh, Fat Jelly or something. I don't know why they kept putting on these hip-hop shows and people were just like, I would come out all, what's up? You know, and people were like, Dude, it's because the the hillbilly hip-hop crowd, like, they still like the stuff they listened to before hillbilly hip-hop was a thing. Hillbilly hip-hop is only, like, what, 15 years old? It's not very old. It's not very old at all. So before that, they were listening to Puddle of Mud and Leonard Skinner. And uh, oh, what what else? What else? Oh, Disturbed! Hell yeah, man! I fucking love Disturbed, man! Oh, Godsmack! Anybody ever told you you remind them of Sully from Godsmack? You asked what happened when I crashed and burned. So the last week I was rolling. Me and this the singer for Puddle of Mud had a rental van, and we were crashing that thing together in the uh, parking lot of the arena that we were playing. The next week. We both got arrested and got sent to fucking treatment and rehab and psych wards and all that stuff. So Holy anyway, shit. you were asking, and that's what happened. I just I started making money. Like I was actually making money doing music. I was playing. Uh, I was teaching music lessons and doing cover things. Or I, was, I had a really nice house. The wife, all the shit I wanted as a little kid, and I got it and I blew it up from my addiction. So that's rock and roll. Yeah, I lost it all. Get it, blow it up. I had a brand new tour van, new trailer, all that shit, man. It was it was wonderful. It was it was a experience. Apparently, the video you shared isn't the actual live stream. Sorry, I just wanted to I just wanted to make you aware of that. That's what that's what Ethan was saying. Yeah. Um, no, but. Uh, can we share this afterwards? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. Okay. I'll talk right to you back. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, man. Like like you're saying, uh, fucking blowing it all up, man. I've I've I have certainly blown it up a couple of times. Blown <laughs> it up quite a few times. Yeah. I think that- of our song titles. Burn it down. Burn it down. I burn it down. Some people blow it up. I burn the motherfucker down. Just light it up first and then burn it down. Slow burn. Yeah. yeah. Slow burn. Now I do it pretty quick. <laughs> God boom. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Yeah, man. Uh, 
if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking, uh, Jason, how much time do you have in now? I'm, I'm at three and three and three quarter months, so I'm coming up on four years in August. That is fucking badass, dude. Yeah. Thank that you. Is, it's the is, first time I played since that whole crash and burn. So and it's so, been one. So and, 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 and you can shut it you can shut it down at any time, but you know, since since you know, you and I have talked about this before and, and I've had similar experiences. Are you doing are you doing a program this time or are you just doing like just doing your own thing, just doing your own abstinence? Yeah, I'm I'm in a program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you find that you do better in a program? I've heard like mixed from different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, but I always did worse in a program. Like something, something about doing the program thing. I just too much structure for you. That might have been it. (laughs) It might have been that it's too much structure. It might have, you know, it might have been timing. It might have just been that I wasn't ready and like I quit. Drinking and hard drugs because flat out, I, I mean, I'm smoking a joint in front of you guys right now. I smoke pot and I have psychedelics maybe twice a year. Probably not at all now that I've got my son and I can't imagine a situation where I would feel comfortable taking mushrooms knowing that he's at home and something could go wrong at any minute. You know what I mean? Just give him some mushrooms yeah. too. <laughs> I did. I did take acid up at the studio. Together stays together. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I did. One of the whole reasons I took the acid that I had up at Evergroove when we were up in the studio, Gordo, is because I was afraid of my son getting into the drawer that I kept it in and accidentally taking three hits of fucking green gel tabs. Like, I was really afraid of coming home to just, like, my wife in a panic going just like, I don't know what's wrong with him, and just being, like, knowing but not wanting to say that I know what it is, you know? Seeing, like, that open container somewhere. Anyway, I, uh, but I took... I share, man. I like share. <laughs> Finally, son, we can share everything. Anyway, uh... My one-year-old son, um, yeah, and uh, and I took I took acid up at the studio, and it just felt like a felt like a waste of time, like it felt it felt annoying, it felt like an inconvenience. Everybody else was falling asleep, and I'm sitting there by myself at three o'clock in the morning watching the Shawshank Redemption tripping balls. You know, it's like uh. this this is a waste of time. But for some reason, I was only able to quit after. I would like got off paper. I was out of court. I didn't have forced monitored sobriety anymore. I wasn't being told I had to go to meetings anymore. And then I had one month of fucking up pretty bad. And the realization that I might have to go back to that and go back to being on the monitored piss tests and the threat of jail and the fucking wondering when my color is going to come up when I'm fucking drinking on the weekend and trying to plan the days and failing tests and having to deal with that and getting my the inside of my cheek swabbed for DNA because I got a felony for getting drunk while on probation. You know what I mean? Like, stupid horseshit. Something about the threat of going back to that and the threat of... The worst that might occur as a result, that 
did more for me than like that and a really great therapist did more for me than than I I, I got going to programs. It's probably because of the, the like the being forced part. But I keep talking to friends of mine who have done the program thing, and they they swear by it. Absolutely swear by it. Uh, 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 oh, no, that joint just kicked in. <laughs> Far out, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> heavy. Okay. So uh, tell tell me a little bit about uh, tell me a little bit about the new record. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah, you know? tell, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about the songwriting process, the studio process, how you guys how you guys went about building this thing. The album is called uh, Touched by Darkness is the name of the album. Yeah, well, the, the title of the album came from uh, my friend Marky. Me and him were talking one night and, uh, and he looks at me and he's like, man, I got to be honest. I'm kind of afraid of you sometimes. I feel like you've been touched by the darkness. And I was like, well, what a great thing for me, you know? So uh, that's where we got that, you know? And like uh, the songs, we just decided that we're sick and tired of uh, of rock and roll not being a good time, you know? Right. I remember when bands used to have fun, you know, and uh, play rock and roll like they meant to party, you know? And uh, then sometimes, you know, and I got nothing against the bands of the 90s, man, but somewhere along the way, rock and roll got depressed. And I just, I just wanted it to be good times, you know? Oh, so, yeah, totally. That's the road we're getting, going down, you know? Uh, these guys just let me write whatever I want. It's awesome. <laughs> well, there's a, there's, a t- there's a time and a place for everything, right? Like, uh, like you know, if, if you want to party, like... Are you going to listen to, like, happy-ass Zydeco music, or are you going to listen to, like, typo-negative fucking slash your wrists in the bathtub? You know, like, hey. what are you... There, there, there's, there's an appropriate context for every kind of music, and, and, uh, and sometimes people just want to go out and fucking blow their brains out. They just want to go blow off steam and act crazy and, and get in touch with the shadow self, as Carl Jung would say. So, okay, so it's all just, like, good time rock and roll stuff. I, I also wanted to draw people's attention, and I'm going to bring up... Uh I'm going to bring up these pictures of the, like, actual plagiarizer... The plagiarized covers thing that you guys have been doing. Oh, yeah. So tell me where the name plagiarizer comes from, because if, if the photos you put up are any indicator, I, I think I know, but... Uh, tell me a little bit about what what inspired the name. For for me, the the name plagiarizer just it's not really that we want to steal anything. It's that we recognize that uh, if you're gonna play good rock and roll, somebody else already did it. You know, right? Absolutely. And, uh, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We just want to play something good. You know, so right. In order to do that, we have to. We we got to pay tribute to all the bands that we love, you know, and that's what all those record covers are about. It's not about us; it's about us paying tribute to bands that we love. Those are actually, you know, somebody selected me for that ten day challenge, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give you my ten real albums, but I'm gonna put my name on them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's what it was. All right. Yeah. No, that was. I, I thought that that was a really cool way to go about it, and it was. Uh, it was in the early days of quarantine, the early days of the virus, so it's like right when 
everybody was super like scared, but also trying to be super optimistic about the whole thing. Like, ooh, isn't this crazy, guys? Okay, let's make lots of content and have lots of fun and make lots of videos. And hey, who wants to come onto my page and see me read bedtime stories to my kids? And hey, who wants to watch me and my buddy do socially distanced, you know, live stream jamming in my apartment or ah, out in the yeah, park? I'm, I'm or- converting my greenhouse into a gym come on watch yeah, me come on come live <laughs> so come much on. fun come like on. Cut to two oh. weeks later and you're like what the fuck am i doing with my life <laughs> oh i know it it like dude it went downhill so fast <laughs> Well, it can go downhill, you know. Some some people did some pretty productive things, actually, though. No, no. Some people did, (laughs) like, definitely. People did some very creative things, but it was like the change in tone was, like, almost immediate and, and pretty palpable. Just, like, seeing how quickly people went to being, okay, I'm on, I'm on Mikey's Facebook page here. We've got, of course, the, uh, the Slayer Show No Mercy. All right. Which is fucking hilarious. Okay, so we've got the Slayer Show No Mercy. We've got uh, <laughs> the Thin Lizzy Jailbreak Plagiarizer. That's great. <laughs> That's a really good one. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, we've got the ACDC mock-up there, the Highway to Hell cover. <laughs> the Too Fast for Love Plagiarizer. <laughs> I like your font work there. That's really good. Your uh, Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know what that one was, man. They were just like, I was like, what? That's a great record. How do you not know what that, what that is? See, that's that's how you know the, 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 the real motherfuckers and the posers, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know. Uh, oh, we've got, our, we've got our Motorhead plagiarizer here. Can't live without Motorhead, man. Can't live without Motorhead. Dude, I actually... Um, I just got in the mail my Motorhead face mask. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's like the little like snaggle tooth area. Covers up your face nicely for going to work and terrifying people. It's nice. Uh, we've got our Judas Priest plagiarizer. I like your font work there as well. Let's see. what. Oh, the Iron Maiden uh, self-titled plagiarizer. I like that. These are fucking great, dude. How many of these did you do? 13, because I did 10 for me, and then and then uh, the other guys each got one. That's Extra. fucking great. The, uh, the, the Metallica mock-off plagiarizer. The Scorpions. Hey, I like that. That's really good. <laughs> who who did the fuck? I thought we t-shirts out of some of that shit, because it's so funny, you know? Dude, it's fucking cool. Did you, did you do um, all the... All the font work on it? Uh, no, a friend of mine, uh, Robin Warren, did that for me. Yeah, it's very cool, man. It's very fucking cool. I think we should actually listen to a little bit of the album if you guys are into it. I want to play some of this for people. Uh, I'm into it. What's What's your favorite one off a uh, off a of Touched by Darkness here? Uh, I think my favorite one's On Through the Night. Huh? I- I think uh, that's probably my favorite. Maybe Hail Satan, Rock and Roll. That's fun, too. <laughs> Hail Satan, Rock and Roll. So tell <laughs> me what the deeper meaning is of that one. All right. Uh, on through the night. Let's check this out. It's really good. He just said, really good. 
Can you guys hear it on that end? Probably not, huh? No. It's really good. He's hearing it over there, obviously. Just him? He's like rocking out. He's like, I'm sad about this. the world can hear this. I mean, it's probably, it's on the stream, right? Yeah, it's on the stream. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody else is hearing it, but us. <laughs> the whole world, but, so it's like me rocking out by myself, and then anybody who's watching at home, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And everybody else on the show just, like, politely waiting. <laughs> You're singing on this, Mikey? Yeah. Yeah, I was like scared to death of that. Actually, I never sang for a rock and roll band before. And I was like, we, uh, we started off trying to find a singer and we couldn't find one. I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Let's try it. It's pretty rad, man. It is pretty fucking rad. Some twin guitar licks. How does the song sound? Is it good? Describe the song to me. Describe it. Okay. See? <laughs> you got it, Why I should talk to you about singing. <laughs> dude, you, you were sending me like the early recordings of you jamming, and I dude, I thought your voice sounds absolutely perfect for this. Like I'm 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 flattered by the invitation, but it's like, <laughs> dude, you're so like you sound so perfect for this fucking ba band, man. Like, I wanna pass this along to um Gordo, you know who would really love this record, and you're just gonna have to take my word for it since you couldn't hear it either. <laughs> You know who would really love this is as uh, as Reed uh, from Overdose. Oh yeah, would, would really yeah. love this. This is like right up his alley, dude. Just like I know, badass, good time, motorcycle rock. Like it's fucking cool, man. It sounds so good. Where'd you guys record it at? We uh, we did it at the practice space and right here. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't pay anyone. We just did it ourselves. Nice. No fucking way, really. Here, Sean's on it. He did everything. Some dude, yeah. You're All right, a dude Sean. After my own heart. Sean, you've been you've been pretty quiet through this whole thing, man. Let's yeah, talk. Man, I like to listen, you know. I don't. I have. Uh, I uh, not a lot to say, but yeah, we. Uh, so basically, what what ended up happening with that whole thing is, we decided to do some recording just to kind of get a sense of what the song sounded like, right? Just right. kind of see we weren't blowing smoke up our asses about these being good, right? And so we we recorded some stuff and quick drum setup, you know, I think I had six mics or something like that. Um, 
maybe not even the first pass. I think it was like four mics, maybe. And uh, we just kind of banged it out and brought two of them back here to do guitars and vocals and stuff like that. And then kind of realized that this sounds better than we thought it was going to be a scratch thing, right? Right. And it just kind of built from that. Um, I did a really simple. You probably don't know, want to know about the technique stuff yes, or whatever. Yes, we do. Well, you yes, do. We do. So, like, I'm a big fan of like the the Glenn Johns drum miking yeah. setup. So um, you're speaking Gordo's language now, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so essentially, it's a minimalistic type of approach, but it's uh, overheads in a weird kind of angle. Um, some different things. Um, Go over the shoulder. Yeah. Well, there's the it's there's one that kind of comes in from the side. Right, yeah. and then there's another that goes directly, you know, equidistance from the snare, obviously, and and um, so I did that stuff. Um, single kick drum mic on the outside, actually. There's nothing on the well. Actually, it was kind of on the inside. Just used a 52, and um, and so did that, and and brought it back here, and you know, basically, I I've been a Pro Tools guy forever, and I dumped it. And I'm using Studio One now because I love it. I think it's oh, right on. So I'm doing that. And um, yeah, man, we just like one Perlman microphone for vocals, you know, uh, a tube mic, which is like a U87 or U47 clone. Yeah. And, um, you know, some really cool pre's. You know, I got some like Neve pre's and some different things like that that we're using. And, uh, it's. Super, super direct setup, you know, Mikey's got, you know, his, uh, he just got a beautiful custom Firebird, um, which is great, great guitar, and so we just kind of did everything really, it's really simple and kind of down the middle, right, nothing super fancy, but I record in the digital world, but I want to use as much tube and analog gear as I can. Um, I'm a big fan of the slate stuff, so I use that, the tape saturation and different things like that. Um, want to keep the, the music... You can hear it. Yeah. The music fits and belongs in an analog world because the stuff that we, you know, our heroes are all from the analog world, right? So right, we're if try you're trying to recreate those sounds, you're going <laughs> to... You want to get as close to the, the setup that they had at the time. Absolutely, and, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, the place that I, I, I've done some, you know, various recording and different things all over the place, and, you know, my first runs with all that stuff in my first studio setup was an 8-track Tascam, you know. Bitch and, and an old And a big old fucking uh, Soundcraft tucked and rolled 24-channel four-bus old board, you know what I mean? Old English thing. And, um... If I had the ability to do it right now, I'd still be running tape, um, at least to hit tape, and then I would do editing digitally. Um, but right now, the way things are set up, I don't have that, so I try to do whatever I can. And I, it's a constant learning curve about how to make our music come off as something that you know is a nod back to that stuff because personally, you know, there's great records that are done right now that are like straight up like modern sounding it doesn't fit in my opinion like with what we're doing you know we're we're huge motorhead fans old scorpions old iron maiden priest all that stuff all those records that you saw and all that stuff hit tape you know mm -hmm. and you can uh, really hear it i mean it 
that it's been so here's a question I have for you Sean sure the thing that we've run into throughout our entire career recording career anyway has been the inability up until really recently on the last sessions that we did that we've been doing up at Evergroove to really be be able to communicate the way that we want an album to sound like it's it's there's there's always been something that get lo- gets lost in translation between what I have in my head and then communicating that articulating that to whatever engineer slash producer is is working on it so what from how do you go about taking what's in your head as far as what you want it to sound or or the the models that you are following iron maiden judas priest motorhead how do you go how do you facilitate taking that sound out of your head and putting it onto the tape and onto the final product i have i have an advantage over most engineers i think um and what that is is that i don't do it for a living and i'll tell you why i say that is because i think that there's a lot of engineers that um they do this for a living and they produce all kinds and record all kinds of music right so they're they're constantly um in this battle of doing stuff that they don't necessarily want to be doing but they do it because they it's a living thing right and and that's great you know that's i mean if you can do that it's awesome but for me i never got too far outside of recording what i always wanted to hear right right never there was never a a big trench in between that um and another thing that i think really happens um and i do this too and i have to stop myself is that we are inundated as engineers nowadays to be to belong to plugin alliance and here's five plugins for 20 bucks pick all the and you have these massive massive libraries and i have a massive library too and but getting good with three or four tools like an eq and getting good with and finding and going through all that stuff and using very minimal variants in that right yeah, i think yeah. it's really easy to my language completely <laughs> yeah and i and i think that that's as, as somebody that like started with tape and then i started at the end of the 90s doing digital recording only because i've never been super responsible with work and so i've always had to live with other people <laughs> Right. And I didn't want to haul around like a whole bunch of tape stuff and all that. And that's why I kind of dumped that thing in the beginning because I was moving around a lot. And it was, it seemed really convenient to go in the box, right? To do this thing was, and it was great. But I couldn't achieve those things either. Um, And I tried with all kinds of different uh, software, and software's gotten better, and things have gotten good, and it's really addictive. And I get into this thought pattern that, well, if I do that, then I don't have to learn how to really use compression because look at all the presets, right? right? right, right. I don't properly learn what's going on, and I see a lot of people doing that. Um, 
And like I said, that's on a put down. I've done that stuff myself. So what I've tried to do is really um, pay attention and push the tools that I choose to use. Um, and I will tell you right now that most of the stuff that I use is renditions, di digital renditions of old analog gear. Right. Um, and so I try to pull all of that stuff um, and, and use it with our recordings. And I think that I, I'm learning all the time, right? And I think that's another thing um, is not closing that book and thinking right. that you're always there and um, experimenting with different things. And uh, I was honestly really pretty impressed with, you know, I mean, Jason's playing um, the drums. We were able to capture some really good things that, like, I think that were um, way outside of the scope of what I expected, you know, which is why we kind of pushed it into where it was. And um, Mike, not to throw him under the bus here, but you. So, so did you have to do a lot of drum edits, or was he was he just clean and on top of it and a fucking savage through the whole thing? I kind of tried to control it a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, we're gonna go in and we're gonna do this. We're gonna do a click track and we're gonna blah 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 blah. And it got to the point where I was building these clicks up, and I would throw like a guitar track on there and a vocal. And it would just be like, so we'd throw that on there and then the click would start. And the last two songs, I think it was, the last two songs, he just literally played it by memory with no audio at all coming right. in there. He did like a Dave Grohl first record kind of thing, right? With the right. Foo Fight. Right. And uh, just went in there and just executed it, got everything done, and we were out of there. I think we probably didn't spend more than an hour on each one of those songs with them doing takes. God damn. Yeah. Awesome. Very well so, done. Get I it mean, right the first time around. My job was super easy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just it was just really obvious. Like when we got it. Same with this guy, you know? And and who had never really he said he'd never done any rock singing or anything. We just set the stuff up and it's like, dude, I don't I, I would love to have you probably do some more takes, but I don't think we need to. I think we're it done. It sounds good. It sounds it sounds dirty and fun and raw yeah. and loud. It's fucking perfect, man. Yep. And we just didn't push it, man. You know, it's like we we tried to keep the feeling. We didn't beat it to death, and we just left it that way. And well, if you've got good songs, you've got good songs. If you've got good players, you got fucking good players, man. Like it's like. This is a group of professional musicians and people who have been doing this for a long time. And for those who don't know, like, All My Heroes Are in Hell, like, as far as a, as an All Bets song went, like, that was, that song was an outlier. That was not the type of stuff that you guys generally wrote in that band. And the stuff that you guys generally wrote in that band was really heavy, really fast, like, precise just amazing hardcore and metal and, and punk rock stuff. And you guys just, you have this acumen for being able to play that particular type of, of intense rock and roll music. And, uh, and man, it's like, seriously, it's, it's, it's like someone just extracted that element out of all bets, just that, just purified that element out of it, put it into another environment, and it just flourished into something completely different. It's really, it's really amazing, man. It's really good stuff. It's a great record. Sean, you did a fan fucking tastic job on this record. Like the uh, 
the mix on it sounds sounds terrific. Um, it's it's just really cool to hear such a passion for building uh, for building that sound that you like so much. The only way I know how to communicate with an engineer, and and uh, and this is something I wish I'd learned when I was much younger, and something that that I would encourage young bands to do is is to get familiar with your reference material and go into the studio with that reference material in mind to to communicate to the engineer you know if if you just go in and you're trying to throw a bunch of made up adjectives at the engineer like i don't know i just i just think it should sound a little brighter here maybe or like a little warmer here maybe just a little grittier a little little dustier like they're <laughs> See, those are actually good. Those are good adjectives, though. Like that, th- those are actually good useful. adjectives. They're, they're good they're adjectives. Useful. But an engineer is generally to have a a different idea of what those adjectives mean than you do. Like it's mm-hmm. going it's going to mean a different thing in their mind, especially th- terms like warmth and brightness and and grit and things like that. That's going to probably mean something sonically to them that is like a, a quantifiable measurable setting on their eq or something like that when you're thinking you want the vocal characteristic of the the, the way they had axel's vocals dialed in on appetite for destruction or the way that the drums sound on fucking uh, uh and justice for all or something like that like being able to go this is the kind of vibe that we're going for. This is the way that we want the drums to sound. This is the way that we want the guitars to sound. Here are the bands that we're referencing in that and be able to cite those specific examples. I like want that. the bass I want the bass guitar sound from Injustice for All. That's what, <laughs> I want. <laughs> what I want. I tried to tell him that. And he's like, I'm the bass player. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We just listened to that, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we just listened to the and Jason for all or whatever it was. With oh, the- how is yeah. it? That's wonderful. I, you know, yeah. I. A lot of people poo-poo him because he had a big, he had big shoes to fill, you know, whatever. But his uh, Metallica cool. fans are mean, man. Metall- yeah. Metallica fans are fucking mean. Well, mean I mean, that was people. the man, though. You know? was pretty special, though, so it's kind of understood and understandable. But uh, he did a good job on that record. Well, I, I mean, absolutely. And and I mean, here's the thing: I love, I love Cliff Burton, you know. But you know, they want they want their favorite band to keep going, right? So, like the 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 people who I feel like they did Jason Newstead dirty in that band. You know, I think they, uh, they, I don't think he had the opportunity for as much ownership in that, like, in assuming that position as, as I think he was entitled to, and especially getting completely, almost completely mixed out of that album, like, if not entirely mixed out of that album, that was pretty fucked up, man. (laughs) Like, I... Well, I would never yeah. do that to one of my bandmates. Have you ever seen the clip of the producer talking about that? Yeah, no, I haven't. I've heard about it, but I haven't <laughs> seen it. What's it about? It's pretty amusing. It's it just it's really amusing to, to watch, you know. Because like the way he described it, basically he describes it as mostly the you know it lies on Lars's shoulders, you know. Right. So like, of course, he came in and he's like, take the, like bring up the drums. Like first of all, he's like he's trying to have his own 
you know, drum mix that he has concocted uh, using whatever preamps and, and, and stuff that he has there. Then, like, the engineer and the, the producer comes in and is like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that this really sounds the best. Kind of scraps that whole scene, comes up with something else, and Lars is like, what the fuck is this? Like, take it back to, you know, the way I had it. And then, like, when it, when it came time to do the bass, basically, he's just like, okay, now, take the bass down to where you can barely hear it and then take it down another 4 db or, or something like that is what he said oh like, and it's just God. like what the fuck like that is that is crazy and then he talks about running into him at an awards show and like you know lars has been hearing about this no bass thing on and justice for all for years or whatever he's like yeah so what's up with this no bass thing on that album he asked him <laughs> And, and he was just, and he looked, he's like, I looked at him like he was fucking crazy. You know, he is fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> that's kind of a, you know, just my shitty summary. But, but like, that's, yeah, I thought really that was, funny. I thought that was a very hilarious story. God About damn. kind of a tragic event. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I'll bet Jason Newstead saw that and heard that anecdote and was like, what the fuck? Like so, he doesn't even he doesn't even remember cutting me out of the album. Like he doesn't even remember that it was a conscious decision on his part. That is so either, fucked up. Either that, or he was just like, "Oh, that sounds about right." <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, totally. Jason's over it by now. He's probably you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got uh, what was what was his project that he that Echo he went brain. to focus on? Scramblehead? Is that what it was? <laughs> his new band, Newstead. All right, so uh, guys, tell me what is what is next on the agenda for you? Like shows and tours, new album. Like what's what's coming down the pike for you guys? What's the plan? Well, we got we got two shows on the books right now that we don't know if are going to actually happen or not. They're both in August, August fourteenth and fifteenth, and those are actually our first shows. Uh, this band's so new that we we put out the record before we even played a show. Uh, we do plan on touring. We have a, a seven-inch coming out any day now as well, but you know we don't really have a way of selling it. I guess we could sell it on Bandcamp and uh, from the bars. You know, uh, no shows. You know, the world's shut down right now, dude. I, you can sell records on the internet. You can Possible. sell. I've done it. You can sell <laughs> some. You're not gonna sell a lot. But you can sell some on the internet. I went and I went and bought a postal scale and a shipping label printer, and you know got the stamps.com membership and all that shit, and went and got a bunch of uh, vinyl shipping boxes. And out of everything that we've ever sold on Big Cartel on our merch store, our vinyl, even though people maybe listen to vinyl. One time. They maybe listen to it one time and then it goes on their shelf. If they really love the record and they're really into listening to vinyl, they they may play it a few times. But for the most part, people just listen to your stuff on Spotify or Apple Music and they and they have the record just as something to have in their collection. And I've me- I mentioned this on the podcast before and there was actually a guy who worked at Wax Tracks here in Denver who was like... Uh, he was like, as someone who sells records for a living, he was like, people get it backwards. They do like uh, three quarters of their order 
uh, as black vinyl, and then one quarter of their order as like some sort of specialty color vinyl. And they sell those, and that's supposed to be a big selling point. He goes, you should go the opposite way and make three quarters of your order some sort of special limited edition, limited edition colored vinyl, and then the other quarter to, to just be black vinyl. He goes, because the people who are going to buy the black vinyl are people who actually listen to, listen to records and know that the, the black vinyl sounds better and lasts longer and is just a more durable piece of media. But a majority of the people who are going to buy vinyl records are going to want the colored record. And in his words, he said, mostly just to reinforce their lifestyle. Like, mostly just to have something on their shelves so that when they have people over digging through their records, they can be like, oh, yeah, I got that uh, that Mastodon test pressing because I've got a buddy. Or, oh, yeah, I've got this, you know, colored vinyl, this agoraphobic nosebleed, like clear vinyl and da-da-da-da. It's like, I've never listened to that fucking thing. You know? <laughs> I don't listen to that shit. I listen to fucking Brandy, You're a Fine Girl and... Fucking Chicago, I'm a man, and podcasts about weird, crazy bullshit, you know, and science fiction stories. I'm not, man, I'm like, you can sell a shitload of records even though, like, people are not consuming music that way, I guess is my point. So, like, I think if you guys put out a record, like, put out a vinyl record... Even with no shows on the books, I'll bet you would... In fact, I would guarantee that if you set everything up, you would sell more records than I've ever sold online. Just because of who you guys are, and people have been following the story of the band, and people know other bands, and the, the individuals that are in the band like have like major cool guy points. I think you guys should do it. You know, like I said, the record... We have a 7-inch coming out. It, we should be getting it any day now. Right. And... uh our plan is to make a full-length record, you know, like, uh, we have the songs written now. We're just trying to learn them. <laughs> right, right, and right. Well, then we'll record the rest of the record. You know, what we released already is pretty much just an EP, you know, and uh, it needs the other half. How long is it? Let me take a look here. How long is this whole fucking record? It's probably 17 minutes, it's you probably, know. <laughs> probably 17. <laughs> Yeah. You can fill the rest out with talking. You know what I mean? Like you can you you've got you've got a killer opening set right there. Go get yourself on some fucking big nationals when they open up again. Sell them out for eighty people, dude. I think yeah. I think you guys I think you guys are gonna come out right on time, man. On this record, uh, so the the song "Hail Satan," we played this joke on our guitar player, and we had this other guitar player come in. Uh, my friend Marky from Zeke right. played a solo. He came in and recorded the solo, and I, I sent it to Josh, our actual guitar player, and was like, hey, uh, I worked up this solo. Uh, could you learn it by Thursday? It's just something I've been working on. And uh, he called me immediately and was like, dude, I can't fucking play that, you know? <laughs> He's like, why am I even in the band? You can play that. <laughs> that's a really funny joke, and it was so good. We just kept it. So that's why on the on that uh, record it says solo by uh, Blind Marky Feldstone, and we we really he's a really good friend of mine, and he he, uh, he did a really good job on it. Yeah, that. there so, it is. Cool, Blind Marky Feldstone. Blistering, so <laughs> by the way. He just shredded it, dude. It's, it's amazing. so funny. Yeah, dude, we, we had we had um 
when we were when we were working on uh, the Thieves of Thunder album, we did. Uh, Logan had to leave for work early, and this is when we were recording with uh, Steve Goldberg from Cephalic Carnage. And okay. and so they play really really techy uh, jazz inspired fucking grindcore shit. Like yeah. they are very very high level musicians, and it's less about like writing a catchy tune and more about like an assemblage of like crazy patterns and riffs and sounds and textures and shit like that. Like it is. It's 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 not toe tapping music. It's like standing in the corner at a show, going kind of like, like really intense grindcore stuff. <laughs> and um, so everybody in the band is fucking phenomenal. And uh, Logan had to leave, and we had started working on Hall of Champions. And Nick from Cephalic happened to be there early for rehearsal. And uh, and Steve just kind of looks at Logan, and goes, "Hey." Uh, you mind if fucking Nick takes a crack at it while you're at work? It, you know, and Nick also plays in Havoc. I don't know if you know who Havoc is, but they're this, yeah. you know, yeah, they're this like awesome thrash band that toured with Megadeth and shit like that. And so Steve's like, Steve's like, yeah, Nick can just lay something down as a little placeholder while you're gone. And Logan's like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Whatever, fine. Logan leaves for work, and Nick is just playing the most insane fucking bass licks I've ever I've ever heard in any one of our songs ever and you know Logan's rad at what he does the straight ahead let me kill Meister fucking power bass sludge shit it's awesome he's a great rock and roll bass player but this is like top level fucking jazzy runs and and just sounds amazing and uh we get the dailies over to Logan and uh (laughs) And we get the dailies over to Logan, and, and I'm like, dude, this is really amazing. I think we should keep it, and I think you should learn to play this. And Logan kind of hems and haws for a minute, and he goes, man, it kind of feels like somebody put their fingers in my girlfriend. <laughs> 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 and they were better at it than I am. I don't... I don't want I don't want to keep it. So, I don't know. We didn't we didn't end up keeping it, but somewhere on a hard drive is fucking the most amazing bass licks on Hall of Champions with with fucking Nick playing that shit. I wish I just had that to like release to patrons or something like that. It's so fucking good. Speaking of which, let's give a shout out to our sponsors here real quick. Uh first and foremost, Oh yeah, what the hell? We'll start with our patrons. Uh fucking we love you guys. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Our patrons uh, get access to early and exclusive content. They get VIP parties with beer and food. They get, you know, they get tickets to shows where there's only 50 or 80 available. They get them ahead of everybody else. Uh, they get original limited edition. Limited edition. Limited, limited edition and limited capacity. They're limited in every single way. Yeah, ultra Exclusive. limited. <laughs> Exclusive limited content. Exclusive early limited content just for our patrons. And uh, they get this because they uh, help us out with a small monthly contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make the goddamn world go round. Thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, It's going to go towards printing 
Uh, this month, we're getting ready to do something really cool. We're getting ready to release uh, our, the next issue of our comic book, The Front Lines of Good Times, Volume 3. And uh, in actually, Volume 4, well, Volume 3, and included in it is going to be a flexi single. We're doing a limited edition flexi single of uh, Acropolis Now. And uh, that's going to be available worldwide here very soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, our patrons are helping make that possible. Thank you so much for the support, guys. Uh, Evergroove Studio in beautiful Evergreen, Colorado, atop Black Mountain. Um, 70% solar-powered recording studio. Really amazing people. Uh, actually, Ethan, their tech guru, is our tech guru, and he's in the uh, other room right now doing homework for the next episode of the podcast, making it better and better every time. He just uh, put in these really amazing cards that flip and do all sorts of cool animated shit and cleaned up our, cleaned up our episode descriptions and all that shit. He does amazing work. It's uh, He's a great guy. And uh, we love Brad and Jenny and everybody up at Evergroove. They do amazing, amazing work. Go to evergroove.com and uh, see them about your next project. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, as I mentioned, uh, they just opened back up. So if you're looking to have some band practice at a clean, safe, uh, secure, affordable hourly rehearsal space with like fully equipped rehearsal space um rocket space is the best there is in the game man uh kate who runs the place is fucking awesome we had her on the show it was one of the most popular episodes we had of the podcast she's awesome people love that chick go check them out man rocket space you ain't gotta carry shit burn tv this is, of course, uh, a production out of Burn TV Studios here at an undisclosed location in Denver, Colorado. Burn TV is home to the, the motherfucking podcast, The Nug Nation, and a bunch of other great content. If you haven't seen The Nug Nation, go to thenugnation.com and see any of the great stop motion uh, episodes uh, featuring characters made from real weed getting into real shenanigans. Check it out, The Nug Nation. Dot com. Uh, Flipside music. Life is short. Go make some noise. Uh, Ike is busy at it. The guys are busy at it. They've got a great YouTube channel uh, where they have their series, What the FAQ, where they talk about common um, gear questions. And, uh, man, they really have the know-how around there. They know their shit. They know guitars. They know gear. They have the largest selection of effects pedals in the region. That is a true factual fact. Um, go check them out. They're uh, they're open for business. Uh, wear a mask though. Don't be a dick. Uh, oh, <laughs> Matula Plumbing. Matula. Matula. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. The only year that mattered. After that, it got all political. Master of Poopers himself, he'll wear the booties for you if you need your shit piped out and you are in the Des Plaines or Chicago area. Tell Jerry Matulo the boys sent you. I think that he's enjoying a, uh, a big uptick in business thanks to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. dude, we saved his business. Not a doubt in my mind. Like, Jerry Matula would be nothing without this podcast. During the pandemic, are you kidding me? So many people need help with their plumbing issues. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, he I mean, he's stayed busy this whole time, I'm sure. I mean, people don't stop pooping just because they get the Rona. 
perspective. If anything, they're probably pooping more. <laughs> Although not as substantially. Uh, Mutiny Information Cafe. This is, of course, a Mutiny Transmission. Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway. I just went over there and said hi to uh, Jim Norris and Vinny Fasano and Joshua Finley and uh, and Donovan and Rocky and everybody who's working. on the wall over there. Yeah, they're working on the new mural over there, and it looks badass, dude. Like, I haven't seen Vinny in forever, and his art looks great. Um, Josh is just fucking killing it right now. But um, uh, they are staying alive over there at the coffee shop, man. Uh, go stop by, wear a mask, get some records, get some comic books, get some coffee, some cereal. Uh, eventually, there will be live performances again. And... Um, yeah, man. It's uh, really an amazing place. They do really, really great things for the, the city of Denver and uh, cool stuff worldwide. Mutiny is everything. Check them out. Tell them the boys sent you. If you're just joining us, I am here with my good buddies, Sean, Mikey, and Jason from the band Plagiarizer. Uh, their new album, Touched by the Darkness... Their new EP, Touched by the Darkness, is available at plagiarizer666.bandcamp.com. Let's get a uh, let's get that on there so that everybody can see it. Yeah, that shit is badass, badass. Released June eighth, twenty twenty, in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. Man, they wo- they wrote this record. They uh, managed to keep a band alive. During a fucking global pandemic, and hats off to you guys for for making it work. Um, I'm super stoked on the music. I'm super stoked on you guys, uh, Sean. I'm super stoked on what you did for making this record sound great. Everything that you contributed to it, it's fucking it's fucking amazing, man. Glad you like. It. Thanks. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, so, uh, is there anything else? Like, where can where can people find you guys? Uh, what are the socials? Uh, well, currently, I mean, we're we're distributing things through DistroKid, right? So right. we're we're everywhere as far as like streaming services go. As far as the socials go, um, we this is the stuff that's kind of been <laughs> what we'd like to have somebody do actually. But right. uh, <laughs> Facebook is uh is pretty much i would say the location probably the band page right now um i i'm having somebody work up you know a, a landing page and all that stuff so facebook or Bandcamp would be the the locale right now as far as social goes uh not really a whole lot of other stuff going on hey gordo what what are your thoughts on like do you think that for bands facebook is still the the place to go like do you think it's still the number one outlet or has that fucking died because i don't really see i think it depends i mean i think it's if you pay for it in the past you know like couple of years i think we've seen things splinter off significantly to different different social media platforms depending on what you do and who you are it seems like you know places like soundcloud there's a lot of hip-hop going on over there you know like uh facebook is still relevant you still you still kind of got to have it 
but uh, but you can still do I think a lot more creative stuff on Instagram probably right um, and then you know Twitter you know who the fuck knows I don't know <laughs> I mean like I feel, that's, you know, I feel some like people Twitter use it really something. effectively but I just I haven't figured out how to how to do that successfully for what we do I feel yeah. like I feel like bans on Twitter is just a colossal time suck. Like I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Twitter is just for like journalists and politicians and the people that want to yell at them. Like that, that's very true. <laughs> that's just kind of what it seems like. And Facebook, it just seems like, like, dude, I feel like we do nothing unless we pay for it. Like we, we, we reach maybe a couple hundred feeds, and that maybe converts into a few engagements. But yeah, if you want to reach anybody, you really have to you have to put the bucks down. I mean, their ad their ad tools do work. Do you guys have a lot of experience with like with like mastering social media? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, not it's at all. A, it's a nightmare. It sucks. It sucks. It's not. Yeah, there's nothing really fun about it. So I, I think. I think our album is like you know we've got it out there and we and and the hopes are are always that we just have that stuff just kind of grow organically. It's like if if somebody wants to hear the plagiarizer record and someone else wants to kick it to them, we want to make sure that they can send a link via. Hey, dude, do you have Spotify? I do. Yeah, here, boom. Right, right, right. Do yeah. Listen, do you have that? And that's kind of the important thing right now. We have a home base where people can go and i think that like down the road obviously we'll probably get somebody that's going to handle we just been doing all this stuff ourselves and it's just like it's you know with everything else that needs to be spent on the recording the writing the practicing the this that and the other and all that it's like you know who's got time yeah i know and and so i'm on a couple weeks ago i took facebook app instagram app and twitter app off my phone just because I got tired of just watching people fight and destroy each other. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's really horrible to watch. Um, just like, and I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of doxing. You know, even if someone's a piece of shit, I'm not a fan of doxing. Like, it, it puts people's lives in danger. And, like, you can destroy a person's livelihood because of one misstep. And I don't know, man, like, People could argue about that, but I think I think it's a fucked up practice. I personally don't like it. I don't like doxing. Docking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very I mean, similar. They're, they're similar. They do have to do with dicks. <laughs> they do have to do with dicks slamming into each other. So yeah, they're very similar. Um, no, but I, and also I saw I was starting to see a lot of brutality porn you know people just sharing video after video of people getting their ass kicked or you know it's it's either it's either people being beat up by cops or people beating up cops or people beating up each other or like people getting their heads bounced off the concrete and buildings getting burned down and it just got to the point where i was like dude this is causing me derangement like i can't be on it so i got rid of i got rid of all those apps but I'm, they've still got me by the balls because I've got I've to keep the band app so that we can broadcast this podcast and so that people can find us. Um, you know, if, if Facebook is the, the platform that they look for people, you know, when we do have ad, money to throw down on ads, they are really effective. 
we just did a big uh, ad push for our merch store, and you know, we doubled our money. You know, we we sold a, a fair bit of stuff and we're able to do things because of it. So it is a useful tool, but I also just feel like ethically opposed to the mechanics of the platform, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it, it's it seems that either these platforms have been deliberately designed to reward the most insane behavior or we're just a bunch of monkeys and we haven't figured out how to work it yet. I haven't figured it out, but it's like... So I'm trying to like find a balance of being able to use those platforms in a positive way and in a way that actually reaches the people who care about our shit without getting sucked into it, you know? And we don't have a, a band camp. And so I saw the band camp up here and I'm wondering... What kind of engagement you guys have just seen from the band camp so far? Like, that seems to be the place for music right now, where a lot of, like, independent bands are going. Well, we put the band camp on, I mean, we posted it on our Facebook, and uh, right. I think within the first 24 hours, we had 700 plays of the album. Of the album. Without yeah, even, awesome. without yeah. even playing a show, you know? Uh, so that was really cool. I wasn't expecting that at all. That's like, really good. Those are really yeah. good numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're over a thousand plays on on that, which is pretty crazy. And that's just again, it's social media, but it is organic in a way because people are spreading that around. We're not doing that, right? And we're getting, you know, we're getting some uh, some nods from some people out of out of country too. Yeah, somebody's playing us so, on their uh, radio podcast in Spain tomorrow. So what That's do you awesome. think was what do you think was behind getting those listens on Bandcamp? Was it because cuz you like you contacted me directly and sent me a link to the album. So was it you guys were doing like all the groundwork and just sending it to people or do you think nope. it came from sharing it on Facebook or is there something in Bandcamp where new music gets distributed to different streams like what do you think is behind that? We have awesome friends. <laughs> I yeah. mean, to, to, you know, we have people that are actually social, you know, in our lives that like actually reach out and do that kind of stuff. And um, I think that's really what it is because it's just, it's literally our friends that are kicking that around and uh, really positive feedback on the record, I mean, too. Personally, it rips. It's fucking I, great. We have to attribute it to Satan. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> hats off to Satan. Yeah. Hats off to Hats off to Satan. Thanks, Rock bud. Roll. Rock and roll, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's fucking great. It's a great record. Um you guys uh I I I hope you have all the all the success in the world with it and because if you guys are particularly successful, it probably means you'll come on a tour to Denver and I'll get to see you or you'll be together long enough that we can come out there. And play with you guys. Um, I'd really love that. And yeah. uh, I, man, uh, I'm just Jason and Mikey specifically. I'm so fucking glad you guys are still playing music. Like I'm so Jason. I'm so glad to see your face, man. I'm so glad to like see you out in the world, fucking jamming and shit. It's really cool. It's really yeah. fucking great. Real fun. Thank you. It's um, it's always good to. You know, I 
you think of yourself as a lifer when you're a young person. You're like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You know, oh, I love it. And you, like, think about it, but it's this, like, abstract concept. And then once you get 15, 20, 25 years into it and you realize all the the living and the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it and the 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 birth and death and 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 building and destruction and annihilation and rebuilding again that goes into that period of time it's like you know there's a lot of our people who don't make it to really be lifers like they 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 kind of disappear one way or another and it has been so great to see you guys keep it up all the all the time that i've known you at least and um and I and I hope I get to see many more years of you guys fucking jamming and making kick ass music. Like you guys have made some of my favorite music. Seriously. Thanks, man. Yeah. Seriously. So uh again, the new album is Touched by Darkness. It is by Plagiarizer. And uh you should go to their band camp, which is plagiarizer666.bandcamp.com. Uh, check out the new album. We're actually going to let it play here through the end of the episode um, before we cut off the stream. Uh, we're gonna, we'll go out with one more. This is going to be... We haven't done the one for the homies shout-out in a while, so we're going to get back into that with giving a one for the homies shout-out to our boys in Plagiarizer with their jam, Hail Satan, Rock and Roll. <laughs> here on the motherfucking podcast, I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye! to actually listen to it like not on a phone (laughs) (laughs) oh gordo are you listening to it with a little bit of delay yeah i'm I'm listening to it on my phone because i'm like i I need to hear this (laughs) so you're hearing it like a moment late i'm hearing it like a moment late yeah do you want to get my minute late reaction to everything that happens in this I'm gonna turn it down because like it's probably gonna be some weird feedback. Hey, how does it sound streaming music on like on the actual live stream? Oh, I think it sounds good, but you know, I am on a cell phone, so I, I don't know. Like you know, what sounds good on a cell phone? Like nothing. <laughs> Like, not even a phone call sounds good on a cell phone. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just does. I love seeing, man, I love seeing the, uh, the closed captioning at the bottom, too. It's just my favorite part. You see this, that it's all wrong. It's completely wrong. There's nothing right. Ha, 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 ha.
The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 